Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomeCare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs. Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Disasters and other emergencies can be particularly disruptive to daily living of older adults and may endanger their lives. To ensure readiness, advanced planning, and personal preparedness are essential to protect this population from injury and possibly death. Today, My guest is Tanya Cohn, Community Engagement and Resilience Manager with the Arlington County Department of Public Safety Communications and Emergency Management. Tanya will talk about how older adults can prepare for disasters and other emergency events that happen where they live. She will also describe programs and services provided by emergency management and share useful resources available to Arlington residents. So welcome, Tanya, and thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Cheryl. I'm very excited to be here. Happy New Year to you. And thank you, and Happy New Year to you as well. So before we get into the more detailed information that we want to talk about, let's start by having you describe exactly what is the mission of the Arlington County Public Safety and Emergency Management Office. Absolutely. Our mission statement is to coordinate emergency preparedness, response and recovery capabilities, resources and outreach for the Arlington community. So in simple terms, this means that our team is responsible not only for responding to the emergencies and communicating to the public about what's happening, but also coordinating the response and the recovery. And a lot of times this means working with other departments within our county, as well as state and federal partners just to make sure that resources and services are available to the community during the emergency, and of course, to help make sure the community is prepared in the case of an emergency. So think of us as kind of like the behind the scenes directors. We coordinate the moving parts to best respond to a disaster or an emergency, and we allow first responders on the ground to do what they do best, which is save lives. All right, so let's drill down a little bit and talk to us about what the critical service areas are that uh, your office manages? So our office is split into three major branches or service areas. The first is the emergency call center. The acronym is ECC, and they take all of the 911 calls and dispatch these calls accordingly. The second branch or service area falls under the emergency management team, and this team really focuses on preparedness. And when I say the word preparedness, I'm referring to both education for residents and for partner organizations, um, especially using FEMA. And FEMA stands for the Federal Emergency Management Agency. They put out a lot of training and exercises to help prepare us and the community for emergencies of large and small scale. So a lot of preparedness means using FEMA training and resources, 
And then thirdly, there's the team or service area that I'm currently working on, and that's responsible for volunteer coordination, communications, resilience, a lot of community outreach, education. Um, Yeah, so those are the three major critical areas. Obviously, we don't have as many types of emergencies, perhaps, that we've been hearing about recently all over the country. But in this area, what are the types of of emergencies uh, that your department handles? So there are many different types of emergencies, and they can range in size, level of impact, resources needed, et cetera, et cetera. In Arlington, they can range from oh, a variety of, resor- of of emergencies. So whether they're weather related, such as like snowstorms, which we recently had this past week, um, you know, tornadoes, derecios, or there's something man-made like the terrorist attack that happened on 9-11. Um, you know, those are two very different types of emergencies, or they could be something global, which is what we've been living through the past two years, which is the COVID-19 pandemic. So The answer to that is really all of the above, depending on what the wind blows our way. Yes. In fact, I was recalling a couple of years ago when we actually had an earthquake here in Arlington. So I would assume that your your department was very busy then as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, even this past week alone, I think, you know, with having two snowstorms in the area and uh, some traffic closures and icy roads and conditions and Um, the impact that that's had on certain services in the county as well. You know, our team is always involved in that process to make sure that things are running smoothly. And what I saw on the website is, is that as a part of all of these various activities that are going on uh, in your department, there is something called the Emergency Communication Center. So talk about that first, and then I want to find out in terms of emergency scenarios about 911. So, but let's let's first of all find out what Emergency Communication Center is. So, the mission of the Emergency Communication Center, the ECC, is to help save lives, protect property, and provide assistance to the public by receiving and processing 911 emergency calls. They also receive non-urgent calls, they dispatch police, fire, emergency medical services, So in short, when you're having an emergency or a crisis and you call 911, they are the folks on the other end of the phone making sure that you get the help that you need. I think you asked about what kind of scenarios might warrant texting 911. So texting 911 is just as it sounds. If you are unable, for example, to call 911, you can go ahead and just text it from your cell phone. There's three big scenarios in in a situation where someone might want to text 911 or need or use that service. Uh, First and foremost, an individual who's deaf or hard of hearing, has a speech ability, or maybe someone who's in a situation where it's not safe to be heard to place a voice call, for example, or in the case that there's a medical emergency where someone's incapable of speaking. So text to 911 is, is an option for them that helps get them the help that they need. Yes, and that's just really good advice. I because older adults really may need that 911. And so texting might not be something that they're familiar with. So thank you for explaining the scenarios. And taking that one step further, Tanya, if an older adult calls or, or texts 911, why is it really important that they, they share their location first? That's a great question, Cheryl. There's a couple of reasons right off the top of my head that I can think of. 
First, um, dispatchers on the other end will send help immediately and will keep talking to you and get more information about your emergency. Um, Secondly, it means that they know where you are and they can send help even if the call is disconnected. Uh, This is important, right? So let's say you make a call and within 10 seconds, you know, you've managed to get your address out, uh, but the line gets disconnected. Or let's say you lose consciousness. It's really important that they know where to go. Um, And thirdly, and this is, I think, what throws off a lot of people, cell phones don't work like GPS systems or Ubers or any of these kind of systems that ping your exact location. Um, You can use cell towers to generate, get, get a general idea of where the location is. But it doesn't give you an exact pinpoint. And I'm going to use myself as an example. I happen to live in a building that has or a condo area that has over 500 units. So while I might be able to call and they might ping the general area, it's really important that I'm able to give my location um, to the best of my ability, for example, which unit I'm in to help make sure that uh, help gets here on time and they get to the right location. And the same is kind of true if you're outside. So If you're on an intersection of two streets, for example, the more details you can give, I'm on the intersection of Main Street and ABC Street is really helpful because that'll that'll tell them or if there's landmarks around you, that'll help uh, the ECC identify uh, how best to get to you. That's really good information because oftentimes older adults are living in condo buildings or some kind of a residence where there are multiple units. So very important so that the the emergency unit can can find them. Absolutely. Does that happen often? You know, I think what happens more often than not is that people get a little frustrated, if I'm being totally honest, because they think, well, I'm calling, you should have my location. And they so maybe sometimes folks feel that it's redundant, but it's really, really important because they don't realize that, especially in a community like Arlington, where you have entire neighborhoods that might just have multifamily buildings, it can be really tough to pinpoint an exact location because we're so densely populated. So it's really, really important to be able to do that and just take that three seconds, give the address, give as much detail as you can. If you're outside using a landmark or a nearby business, it really goes a long way. Very good. I, I also wanted to ask you about what is Arlington Alert? And I understand that there are alert categories. So tell us a little bit more about what Arlington Alert is. Sure. So Arlington Alert is a county emergency alert system. It's free and it helps residents get trusted, reliable information. And they can get this information through several mediums. It could be through text message. It could be through a phone call or it could be through email, depending on what you choose. Um, And they can get alerts on several different categories. So, you know, a few of them we've kind of talked a little bit about already. Disasters, big or small, um, and emergencies. And in, in examples could be you know, something like a snowstorm or it could be a case of civil unrest, for example. They can get alerts on weather, on traffic disruptions, on transit delays, and then on the county's operating status. And what's nice is that this system allows the user to choose what type of alert they'd like to receive. So for example, maybe you only want traffic alerts or you prefer to only hear about the weather, for example. You can choose and pick what you would like to hear about. And then you can also specify Uh, which area you live in, which neighborhood down to the zip code. And this is a great way to get the most up-to-date, time-sensitive and important information for free at your fingertips. And who sends this information out? 
So authorized county staff send the alerts about the emergencies and government events, closing, traffic. Weather alerts are sent automatically, and that's done by the National Weather Service. But basically, you can trust that the information that's coming to you has been vetted, is from a reliable source, and it is the most up-to-date. All right. And to that point now, Tanya, tell our listeners how older adults can register for an account. And is this on that same website that you're sharing information about other services? Absolutely. So I'm going to give a lot of websites and a lot of information probably during our call, but I want to emphasize a couple things. If there is one website that you remember and you take with you throughout this whole process, these all these questions, it's that readyarlington.com is where you can go. So that's R-E-A-D-Y-A-R-L-I-N-G-T-O-N.com. And this takes you to essentially our website, Emergency Management's website, where you can find all this information. So a lot of the links I'm going to give you and a lot of the phone numbers I'm going to give you, they're basically piecemealed, but you can find everything. Should you forget everything, just remember readyarlington.com is the one you need to keep in mind. And um, in terms of Arlington Alert, which we were just talking about, the easiest way to sign up is by going to arlingtonalert.com. You can also find it, as I mentioned, through Ready Arlington. And there's something I want to touch on, and I think this is especially important for older adults. If you need further assistance, and you can either email them at arlingtonalert at arlingtonva.us, or you can call 703-228-4009 and leave a message and someone will get back to you. Um, I know that not everyone has the same experience or understanding when it comes to using different systems, whether online or whatever the case may be. So if, if needed, that phone number is very helpful and someone will help you walk through the process. And thank you for giving that because sometimes people don't have computers or they have some difficulty navigating. So there is a live person that will get back to the caller. Is that correct? That is true. Now you will be prompted to leave a message, but someone will receive that message and they will get back to the caller. And as we go through this interview, be sure and tell us where other sites are available. But I want to kind of segue into personal preparedness, because I think we often don't think about the need to do that uh, until perhaps it might be too late. So let's start out with a general question about why it's imperative to think about personal preparedness before a disaster strikes. Absolutely. So emergencies and disasters, they can happen at any time with little or no notice and it's really important to think about personal preparedness beforehand because this not only helps you be prepared to act quickly and safely, even under the most stressful situations, but, and this is really important, it helps you recover more quickly too. So you can do this by gathering information and taking practical steps to be prepared to act calmly and quickly in emergency. So I want to talk a little bit about what I mean by gathering information, if, if that's okay with you. So when I talk about gathering information, I've kind of got a couple different steps in, in mind here. So first really is to get informed. And what do I mean here? So identify, for example, what types of disasters are more likely to happen in your community. And I know you might think, well, Tanya, this is kind of silly. Like, how would I know which disasters are coming? But what I mean here is that, for example, in Arlington, wind and rain are more likely or snow is more likely than, for example, a wildfire, which you might find in California, right? So being aware of some potential emergencies that could arise as a result of weather, for example. 
Know where to find your local emergency plans. We've talked a lot about readyarlington.com, and I'm going to continue to mention that website probably throughout throughout our, our interview today. That's really important. Sign up for alerts. We just talked about Arlington Alert, the power that that has and the ability of information, access to information it gives you quickly. And then if possible, you know, if you can learn first aid, CPR, um, or, you know, how what to do until help arrives, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point as well, that's very helpful. Second step is really assessing your needs. So understand how your medical, physical, and cognitive needs may affect your ability to respond. So consider what needs you have if the power went out, for example. If you have to stay home for one or two weeks, you have to evacuate your home. Or, and this is really important, especially in older adults, but also anyone who uses medical equipment. Does it rely on electricity? Can you transport it? Do you have extra medicine at home? Um, What is required in order for you to get that extra medicine or resources that you need? Do you require transportation? So really think about what it is you need and then think about who could assist you perhaps in these emergencies and stressful events, big or small. Is it a neighbor that shovels your sidewalk, right? Like in the recent winter storm? Is it a friend or family member that's nearby that can help give you a ride or help you evacuate? And then that really feeds into the the third point I want to talk about, which is building your support network. And this is so, so important for all Arlingtonians, but I highly encourage it for older adults as well. Identify helpers, your friends, your family, caregivers, anyone in your network that might be able to assist you. And then meet with them and plan together. Talk through details, right? Do they have a spare key to your home if you're comfortable giving it? Do they have access through your front door if you live in a condo? Do they know how to use your medical support devices if you need to be transported, et cetera? So planning is really important because it helps, you know, communicate and get all the information to your support network, but it helps you really be ready. And is that then kind of expanded to like a family disaster plan? I'm hearing all of the things that you need to be prepared for, and that's really, really so important. But does that also then expand to where other family members might be to make sure that everybody's kind of on the same page? What do we need to know? Absolutely. So we've we've talked about being informed, and you're absolutely right, Cheryl, in that taking practical steps like building a family disaster plan and developing all sorts of plans are part of that equation in order to be prepared. And when we talk about a family disaster plan, I want to talk a little bit about what that means. So it can be built in several stages. You know, we've talked about gathering information and how that helps develop a plan. But then there's also the actual developing of a plan, creating a communication plan, gathering supplies, getting key documents. So it's a lot of information I just threw at you. But if you'll allow me to touch a little bit on each point, when I talk about developing a plan, really what I'm talking about here is, do you know where to stay or to go? Uh, In the case of, you know, if you have to leave your home for two weeks or you need to evacuate, do you know, do you have a plan on how to do so? If you need help evacuating, do you know who can help you? Uh, Power needs, we talked about this a little bit in terms of medical devices. um, And if you need to keep medicines cold, right? So if you have insulin, for example, it's got to be refrigerated. Do you know how you're going to transport that? Fire safety, something that we don't often talk about, but we should. How do you get out of your room? How do you get out of your home, right? How do you do that if you're in a multifamily building or a high rise? And then something else to think through is, do you have insurance, whether it's property insurance, renter's insurance? Do you have the coverage with you? Or do you have information in your email or or some way that you can identify your plan in the case that everything is, is destroyed, right? And then communication. It's so important 
I highly recommend making an emergency contact list and having that on your person. I tend to keep mine personally in my in my phone. I have it as a, you know, but if you're not comfortable keeping it in your cell phone, you can keep it on a little piece of paper in your wallet or your pocketbook, right? Somewhere where just in case you lose power or you need to get a hold of somebody, you have it at your fingertips. And then gathering your supplies, uh, making sure you have everything you need, whether it's emergency supplies, whether it's medical needs, whether it's batteries for backup devices, right? Um, you can use several days worth of prescription medicines, a cooler to keep it cold, a list, right? This is also important. I like to keep a list of all the medication that I'm currently taking on me. I usually keep it on the backside of that contact card, including dosage. And what's really important is allergies, right? So if there's, if you're unable to speak or for any reason you need to be administered medicines, are your allergies listed? Um, do you have a backup supply of oxygen if you have it? Do you have any sort of serial number or the name of the medical devices? And then obviously copies of your insurance, your Medicaid cards, et cetera. So these are all really important. They're just key documents that you probably should keep up to date and prepare. And so all of this is, this is a really long way for me to kind of say all of this builds into a, a disaster plan and is all really, really important when you're designing and building a disaster plan. And I would even say, because we've been calling it a family disaster plan, my sense, particularly if it's an older adult who doesn't have family in the area, that this disaster plan really is shared with whoever is appropriate, whether it's a neighbor or a good friend or someone else. Um, Would you agree? Absolutely. And I think the power of neighbors, good friends, having someone a contact is really, really important. We talked a little bit about communication a bit earlier and about establishing communication, what that means. And I think a big part of establishing communications is the is not forgetting the importance of community groups, neighbors, etc. And so a lot of times, and I will use myself as an example, I, I get a lot of my information from sources that are quick, uh, usually on my phone, usually through social media, etc. Right. Now, let's say, for example, you have a a, a community member who is not comfortable using social media or who's not really sure how to use certain devices, or let's say they're completely knocked out in an emergency, which happens a lot, right? If you lose power, you can't access internet, you can't access your phone in some cases, et cetera. So what do you do? And the best thing that I can encourage residents to do is to plan ahead and write a communication plan that best suits them and utilizing the tools they're comfortable with using at home. So if an older adult is more comfortable using a landline, use the landline. Make sure that you have the neighbor that you're working with has your your landline written down. If you're comfortable using, for example, email, plan on using email, right? Uh, If you would much rather have someone come check in on you, Put that as part of your comms plan. Have a point of contact, their name, their phone number, a couple ways to get a hold of them, and make sure you share that with them so that they know to come check in on you um, and write it down somewhere safe. We've talked about writing it down on a piece of paper, putting it in your pocketbook, putting it in your wallet, post it on your fridge, whatever works best. But it's really, really important that you have a communication plan that best works for you. Okay. And we're going to talk more about that in the second half of the program. We're talking with Tanya Cohen. Community Department and Resilient Manager with the Arlington County Department of Public Safety Communications and Emergency Management. And you're listening to WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. We're talking a lot about emergency preparedness today, and we've gotten a lot of good information already from Tanya Cohn, who is the Community Engagement and Resilience Manager with Arlington County Department of Public Safety, Communications, and Emergency Management. And Tanya, you've given us so much good information already in terms of what to know and what to be prepared for. And you mentioned a little bit about evacuation, but in the case that people might have to leave their home, is there a special plan or certain other kinds of things that people need to know about? Give us a little bit more of an overview about why it would be important in case one had to actually leave the home. So an evacuation plan is essentially a plan that you have in place in the case that you need to leave your home or in the area that you're in and as a result of an emergency or disaster. And it's important to have a location or two outside of your home where you and your family could go should you not be able to get into your home. Um, and Or if you need to evacuate while your family is apart. You know, for example, if let's say your partner is at the office when an emergency strikes and you can't get in contact with him, her, or them, it's really important to have a plan for where you could meet. Uh, additionally, I always recommend that you have an out-of-state person, if possible, be an emergency contact and let them know about your meeting locations so they know where to look for you and your loved ones. So let's say something does happen in the area and comms are down or they're really blocked and you know loved ones are having issues or trouble trying to find you. If you have someone and you know they already know that your plan is should anything happen, you're going to evacuate to this location, you're going to meet at you know, let's say this city and this grocery store, et cetera, they'll know how to find you. And don't forget to write things down. I've talked about this a little earlier, but it's really important. You got to you got to put them into practice. Uh, this is really key. You got to. It's really important to have a plan, but it, unless you practice it and you write it down and you make sure that those who are part of the plan are aware of it, it's going to be really hard to enact it in time of emergency. And the last thing I'll mention, uh, and I think a lot of us probably in Arlington or anywhere around the country have our fur-legged friends, right? Our four-legged loved ones, our little pets at home, dogs, cats, et cetera. Don't forget to include them in your evacuation plan, especially if you have to go home or they, you know, you have to go home to get them, et cetera. So taking all of these steps are really, really important because they make sure that you're prepared in the case of an emergency. And I want to get to pets in just one second, but I also wanted to ask you if there, and, and you Again, talked about this a little bit earlier, but remind us, what would older adults need to remember to take with them if they had to leave their home? And is there anything that they should be uh, reminded about as to what they should do before they leave their home? So I encourage everyone listening to have a couple different kits in case of an emergency, if, if possible. And when I say kits, the, you can call them disaster supply kits, emergency kits, uh, et cetera. Basically, they're the items that you would need for in order to sustain yourself for an extended period of time or maybe about two weeks or so. Um, so each kit's a little different. Uh, for me, for example, one of the things that I always have on me at all times, regardless of where I am, and I encourage all older adults to do the same, I always have water on me, whether that's in my water bottle, whether it's in the trunk of my car, I always have water. I have a granola bar or some sort of snack, something that can at least get me through for the day. I keep a little bit of cash on me, not a crazy amount, but you know, just in case I'm unable to access credit cards. I like to keep a mini flashlight on me as well. Important thing, I, I actually have one that's like a little keychain that goes on right on. Um, it, the important thing is to constantly change the batteries or to check on those when needed. 
I keep a couple band-aids in my purse along with just some triple antibiotic and alcohol wipes, a little mini med kit that I made for myself. I always keep extra prescriptions on me. So whether it's, you know, my inhaler that I need to have on me or what other any other medication that I must have on, I always keep it in there. And then I talked about my personal emergency contact card with my allergies. I keep mine on my phone, but you can also write it down, write it down on an index card, a post-it note, a piece of paper. And then uh, lastly, I mentioned this a little bit, materials can expire. So it's really important that whatever you take with you, whatever you have in these kits or whatever you, you know, you leave your home with, it's important to check the expiration date on them as well. And if you're leaving your home, is there anything like turning down the heat or turning off the water? I mean, I realize that if you're going to have to do this in an emergency, there's not much time to think about all the things that you should do at home, but anything in particular that uh, folks should remember? Yeah, I mean, if you could remember to turn off the heat, if you could remember to, you know, if you're in home, turn off the water, um, you know, grab the important things that you need, uh, turn off, you know, any sort of electrical, you know, if you have extra lights on, et cetera, if you could turn those off, um, you know, I think it's great if you're able to do so. But the most important thing, especially if you're leaving very quickly, is to grab the items that you need to sustain yourself and make sure that you grab your pets, your loved ones, etc. So if you can, absolutely. But if you can't remember to, to, to go back to your, you know, disaster plan that we discussed, and making sure you have all the materials you need. We've been talking now about this disaster plan or family disaster plan. Do you have any recommendations as to how often it should be reviewed or updated? I'm thinking maybe there might be a change in terms of, you know, a neighbor who could move away or 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 whatever, or a family member is no longer in the area. Any advice as to how often one should relook at the that disaster plan and and make any changes as necessary? Well, you mentioned one of them, and that's changes, right? You said if a neighbor moves away um, or you need to update the point of contact, et cetera. So if if there is a major change, absolutely. Otherwise, I would suggest every three to six months. Um, An easy way to do this too, if you want to review your plans and your supplies, because that's important too. Remember, they can expire. Um, Usually when the seasons change, that's kind of how what I personally use in my home anytime, you know, winter is transitioning into spring, making sure that we've reviewed everything for the spring and summer, fall, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a good way to remember it. Okay. And I, again, just compliment you and your department as to how many actions are listed on your website. And uh, I certainly couldn't ask you all of them, uh, but are there anything that you haven't mentioned that kind of is, is not necessarily in an emergency, but just personal preparedness that you haven't talked about yet um, so far? Sure. Uh, there's a lot. I'll just name a few. Then, and hopefully I haven't touched on these yet, but we haven't really talked about kids at all. But if you have children at home, um, working with them, teaching them when to call 911, just in case you're unable to. Another one that we highly encourage everyone to do, make sure you have smoke detectors in every level of your home and test them, change the batteries out as needed. We talked a lot about leaving your home and evacuating, but we didn't necessarily talk about what staying in your home and possibly finding the the safest place in your home. For example, uh, if there's a tornado, you know, you want to get 
to the lowest area. You want to get away from windows, et cetera. You want to shit, like talking about where you can shelter in place, shelter down, et cetera. So those are really important too to think about. Um, you mentioned a little earlier about turning off water, gas, electricity, et cetera. Do you know where all those switches are located? And do you know how to safely do so? So that when you do need to run out of the house, you're able to quickly make those, uh, shut those off safe, quickly and safely. Um, you know, so those are just a couple ideas of things that you can do. Having a, a fire extinguisher at home, you know, making sure that you have a first aid kit. Those are just some things that you can do to get you prepared. I think sometimes people also forget about food. I know that, you know, in food and water and making sure that you've got enough supplies if you are also having to stay and shelter in place because you might not be able to go to the, the grocery store for whatever reason, snow or, or something else. So I would assume that that would also be important. Absolutely. And I would recommend trying to have a 10-day supply of all the items that you might need. You know, we talked a little bit about having a disaster supply kit or a go bag and thinking through what might be in there. You know, I mentioned things I like to keep on myself, but I also have a go bag in my vehicle. I have one in my home and they both contain about a 10-day supply of food, uh, water, non-perishable food, right? So prescription, medicines, um, a blanket, things you might not always think about like comfortable shoes, a uh, change of clothes, if you if you can, a cooler so you can put medicines or other things that need to be refrigerated in there. We talked about a first aid kit, um, a battery-operated radio, a telephone, uh, ideally one that is not power-dependent, but if you do, you know, making sure you have a charger with you, flashlight, extra batteries. Um, you know, you might want to also consider supply like several days of prescription medicines um, if you or, you know, maybe even more than that, depending on what your insurance may allow or what you're able to afford. A list of your medications and allergies. We talked about that. A backup supply of oxygen, you know, copies of your insurance. These are all things that you should think about and probably have in your home and in your go bag in your emergency uh, kit if possible. And how many days should this kit have supplies? What should you anticipate that you might be gone for what? How many days? My rule of thumb is 10 days to two weeks. So 10 to 14 days. That's the best way to do. And, and again, a friendly reminder that it's really important that you check and update this stuff. So for example, uh, about every six months or so, I like to go into my the trunk of my car, look at my car kit and make sure nothing is expired. Because if it's expired, I just like to replenish it. Uh, but a 10-day supply is, 10 to 14-day supply is probably the best practice. Thank you for talking about what I noticed it's also called a go bag uh, or a disaster supply kit. And I'm sure that lots of folks are listening about pets. And what I saw there is the possibility of preparing a go bag for pets. Uh, would you agree? And if so, what might be included in that go bag? Absolutely. Thank you for reminding me because I almost forgot about my furry little family member here. Absolutely. We keep a go bag for pets. I encourage you if you are an older adult or, if, you know, Arlingtonians in general, I highly recommend that you have a go bag for pets. couple things to think about too as you prepare your pets for an emergency um, is do you have ID tags or a collar on your pet? If you do, great. Make sure they're up to date. Have a recent picture. You know, feel free to we all probably have pictures of our pets somewhere in our house or on our phone, et cetera. Take one, snap one quickly just to show that this is your dog, just in case, or your cat, in case you get separated. 
Um, if you have a microchip, make sure that information's up to date. And then if you make a little go bag for your pet, what would you put in it? So if your pet has any medicines or has a medical record that you have, throw that in there. Your vaccination history, right? So our fur-legged friends need to be vaccinated for rabies and, and a bunch of other vaccines. So making sure you have that. Are there any instructions that are specific to your pet? Uh, some food and water, a leash or a carrier, little baggies for cleaning up, cleaning supplies. And then um, something else to think about. This is for my my fur baby anyway, a little toy, something that makes them calm. Oftentimes in emergency situations or in the case if you're having to move your pet, they might get stressed out. So having something that's simple and expensive that can calm them down a little bit would be very helpful. And I'm wondering to the point about pets, would it be important to know where there might be pet shelters? I'm thinking maybe if there was a reason for extensive evacuation and staying someplace else that having everybody have a pet might be difficult. Would it be uh, important for folks to know about resources that could care for pets in an emergency? Absolutely. And I think it's important too when we talk about pets and whether or not we evacuate with them. Um, you know, the one thing I will say that sometimes if, for example, the pet has mobility issues or if an older, if it's an older pet or if it's an older adult who relies on a caregiver to help with the pet, for example, like a dog walker, uh, and they're not available, sometimes an alternative might be pet sheltering if you're unable to, um, you know, take your pet with you in that case. And so there's plenty of resources and that you can use. I've mentioned um, readyarlington.com a lot, but you can also go to ready.gov backslash pet. And there's so many resources on that page. And you can also just Google the Humane Society's pet disaster plan. And that'll give you so many tools and resources um, that you can use in the, you know, to help you prepare your pet for an emergency. And I suspect, though, that part of the problem would be getting your pet over to that shelter, depending on what the emergency might be. Would, would you agree? I would. And I, I want to go back to also that, that kind of community approach that we talked about a little earlier. Do you have a friend, a family member, someone that might be able to help? Is there a shelter that you've identified in your area that would be able to take your pet? Um, so having all this information and planning beforehand could be very helpful. So if, if you know, you do have to ha move, have someone help you take your pet over or you would you want to make sure that there's a place even available for them. You, you have all that information beforehand. Okay. I wanted to ask you if in your experience of uh, being at the, at the county's Department of Public Safety Communications and Emergency Management, if there's ever been examples of problems or situations that, that came up that you want to make sure that people know to prevent them, uh, Sometimes there are certain situations that occur that we never find out about. And so is there anything in terms of advice that you'd want to share with our listeners? I think I, I've said it a lot, and I, I sound perhaps a little bit like a broken record, but I think having information and preparing and having a plan could go so, so far. I think a lot of times if situations do arise where there's potential problems or it's a result of oftentimes just the fact that an emergency happens very quickly and we're all human and we're reacting and we're trying to make sure that we're safe and being able to just take 10 seconds and go back and say, okay, 
this is scary, or I'm a little nervous, but I have A, B, C, D, and E written down already. And I already have this plan and I know what I'm going to do. It'll help you adjust a lot quicker and then I think help you recover afterwards a lot quicker. So I can't really think of a specific problem or scenario. Um, I can just think that there, I can think of many situations where folks have said to me, oh, I had this planned and it really came in handy. Um, I, you know, I was talking to my partner recently about some of the uh, traffic that had happened as a result um, of snow, right? And I, th- I thought, and I said to him, I'm very grateful that we have a kit and we have a plan should we get stuck in our vehicle or should we get pulled on the side of the road or in an area where we can't reach folks because it'll really help us, especially in the wintertime, if we were ever to find ourselves in that situation. So I think preparing can go a really, really long way. Need to remember that and start putting that kit together. Tanya, I also wanted to ask you about uh, some other opportunities that older adults might be interested in learning about. And uh, the first one is the Community Emergency Response Team. I understand it's called CERT. Can you talk a little bit about what the team activities are and training, and are there opportunities for older adults to participate? Sure. So a CERT is a community emergency response team, and it's a neighborhood-based team, and they receive special training, which enhances their ability to respond to and recover from a major emergency or disaster. And these teams are usually made up of local volunteers who are trained by professional responders in the area, and they're going to help them take care of themselves as well as others uh, during and after a major emergency. And the idea is that no one knows the community better than the people who live here, so who better than to help first responders than, than a team of, of their own trained volunteers? Uh, it's an organized team and individuals can provide vital services in the absence of and while waiting for the arrival of medical res- emergency responders. So oftentimes they also assist once the responders arrive as well. And then there's several examples of CERT volunteers that have you know, situations where volunteers have been, you know, very helpful in providing help. So just thinking through some recent things in Arlington, uh, the COVID-19 testing and vaccine clinics, there's been a lot of CERT volunteers there. They've also helped staff our educational booths at the Arlington County Fairs. Um, They've been leading the Until Help Arrives training, and they've been providing door-to-door damage assessments. They did this a lot during the floods that happened here in July of 2019. So certain volunteers are really an awesome group of individuals that have so much incredible training and they're really, really passionate about their community and they're excited to be able to help wherever they can. Tell us a little bit about the training. Is it a couple of weeks or a couple of days and do, does one have to sign up for a certain length of time so that if people were really interested, what would they need to know and, and, and how would they be able to sign up for, for CERT? Absolutely. I, I encourage older adults to volunteer with CERT if they're really interested in getting involved. Anyone who lives, works, studies, volunteers, etc. in Arlington, they can apply for CERT training. It's free. And to be honest with you, many of our, much of our volunteer force is made up of older adults. And trainees can become full CERT members after they complete classes. So there are class sessions that involve a drill or practical exam. There's Eight total classes over a course of, I believe, six weeks, if I'm not mistaken. 
And uh, this is taught by the local emergency response teams, essentially our team, our management personnel. And then each class is approximately about two and a half hours. And there's some reading assignments, but there's also some practical exercises, tabletop, et cetera. Um, So if anyone is interested in volunteering with CERT, I highly encourage them to do so. They can, that website I've mentioned before, readyarlington.com, they can go to that. And then there's the button that says CERT right on that homepage. Just click on that and it'll take you straight there. I just also heard you say something called Until Help Arrives, that that's, that's a program that's part of CERT. Explain what that means and are there also volunteer opportunities specific to that, that, that program? Sure. So Until Help Arrives is a, is a program that teaches you how to recognize and respond to incidents so that you can give help to yourself or others while you're waiting for first responders. So the skills that you could learn are pretty transferable and to countless situations involving injuries or, you know, if you're thinking about car accidents, household injuries, active shooter, et cetera. So you'll learn tools like how to stop bleeding, for example, how to provide psychological aid, how to move the wounded, et cetera. So it's a really, really great program. And it's actually uh, run by our department, Emergency Management, and as well as carried out by the CERT team. So, um, you know, CERT, if you become a CERT volunteer and a full member of CERT, you will probably be out in the community helping teach that course. And does one have to have a particular background and training, medical or, uh, you know, some type of health Uh, experience? Not at all. And that's the beauty of the program. It's designed for everyone and anyone to be able to give help when they need it. And that's really important because oftentimes in an emergency, you might not have a doctor standing next to you, or it might be a few minutes before medical help can arrive. So it's about teaching everyone and anyone what tools they can use. um, And also what, you know, thinking through what you have around you, right? So for example, Um, You know, if you're trying to stop bleeding and you don't have a tourniquet, what can you use instead of a tourniquet, right? Like what can you use your, just thinking, can you use your um, belt, for example? Can you use your shoelace? Can you use, what can you use that's on you that could help you? And so it is absolutely designed for those who do not have medical experience. And is that also, I'm I'm thinking about knowing CPR, uh, if ever there's a situation where it's important if somebody goes into cardiac arrest to be able to know CPR, is that part of that program? I believe it is because it's considered a life-saving, uh, you know, measure that's being that's that's taken. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, it covers all sort of responses that you could do, including how to you know to give CPR, etc. And again, is there a commitment as to one has to continue to participate for what six months, a year? No, there is there is no commitment um, until help arrives. Is is like I said, it's a program that's being that's available to all community members and is usually run by CERT. Um, the CERT commitment, I mean, short of the the training that I mentioned, which I believe is a six week period, you know, there is no commitment. We would love to have you stay with us as as long as you like because we're very thankful for volunteers. All right. Well, the final question then is reiterate one more time uh, how listeners can learn about the Arlington County Public Safety and Emergency Management, what they need to know, where they need to look, that phone number in case one doesn't have access to the internet. Share that information with us. Absolutely. So we've talked about the website, readyarlington.com. This is our website. Very helpful. I want to plug a couple different websites too. 
redcross.org. Very helpful. We talked a lot about emergency planning, um, getting a communication plan, a disaster plan, having knowing what to put into your grab bag. All of that information is found online. You can find checklists. You can find templates. You can find um, you know, all the structure that you need to help you start that process. Ready.gov is a federal website. Um, it's also very helpful. Lots of information, plans, et cetera. Lots of information about pets. I want to plug a couple resources for the county as well. If you go to arlingtonva.us, that is our general county website. It's recently undergone a bit of a makeover, so hopefully is a lot more user-friendly. If you search the word aging, a lot of resources will pop up, including uh, Human Services Aging and Disability Resource Center. This is the county's front door for everything and anything for older adults, ages 60 and up, where folks can learn about transportation programs, discounts at farmers markets, Medicaid, Medicare, and so much more. All you have to do is search aging on arlingtonva.us, and it'll take you there. You just click on the Aging and Disability Resource Center. There's also lots of programming. Uh, through the Department of Parks and Recreation. For those that are 55 and older, all you have to do is search 55 plus at arlingtonva.us and it'll pull up all of the virtual and in-person programs as well as the sport and fitness, etc. You can also sign up for all our newsletters and updates there. And then for those who love to be on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Ready Arlington. You can also follow the county, uh, which is at Arlington VA. And we're also on Facebook as well under just the county's handle at Arlington VA. So lots of ways to get information from us. Well, that should certainly get people started on all of the those possibilities. So, uh, so thank you, Tanya. I want to thank Tanya Cohen with Arlington County Department of Public Safety Communications and Emergency Management for joining me today. And if you want to learn about Aging Matters, you can visit our website, which is agingmattersonline.com. At this site, you can access all Aging Matters radio and TV show content, and as well as the Aging Matters podcasts on Apple and Spotify. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media, which you can learn more about by logging on to inkmouthmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters today. And remember, as always, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. Aging Matters is sponsored in part by the Aging Life Care Association, an organization of aging life care professionals. Aging life care professionals offer guidance, advocacy, and support for older adults and their families in order to maximize quality of life. An aging life care professional can be there for your loved one when you can't be. More information about the Aging Life Care Association is available at www.midatlanticalca.org.